0: Welcome to the Blonde Runner podcast with Coach Laura Erickson, where she shares her healthy living tips as a running and triathlon coach and mother of four. Hello! Hi, Hi. Laura! Hi, I'm glad to connect. It's always a little tricky with technical stuff, huh?
1: Oh, good. And there's all these new platforms, all these different ones to try out. It's great. Yeah. So...
0: I'm happy to talk to you again. I'm so um, thankful that you're that you're willing to come and be interviewed again. I know we've done this a few times before, but here we are again.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know that we've done it on this platform before, so cool that you found this or just like connecting through your channel as opposed to just Lily Daughters. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, I, there are a lot of different platforms. This seems to be fairly easy to use, so I really like it, but um well, I really loved what you said on the last um, interview that I, I saw for you. And I just love this concept of eating to fuel what you do. So just for those mm. that are listening in that maybe haven't, they don't know about you kind of introduce yourself a little bit, tell about you and you don't have to be shy.
1: You are a very
0: good athlete. You're an ultra runner. Tell them about you.
1: About <laughs> me. Uh, I'm learning how to do this synopsis as I've um, gotten older. I think that's actually easier to talk about the younger version of myself than it was to talk about myself as I was going through it. <laughs> like there's almost like this distance or space between a little bit. But um, quickly, I found ultra running in my early 20s. I was running with a group of men. I call them the Scots, Scott Jerk, and Scott. Mm hmm. Community in the early 2000s, and then through a long relationship with the outdoor industry, through a couple of different brands and the Conserv- Conservation Alliance, a nonprofit, I was able to, I guess, afford my running lifestyle until I decided to make a go of doing it on my own. And I just kind of describe it as hustling. Like, how was I going to pay the bills with running as the the means? And it's been an amazing journey. I'm 13 years as a, actually I have two LLCs and lots of great running uh, opportunities around the globe. Running's been my lens to explore the world and now using it more a little bit more close to home. I live in Bellingham, Washington. I was able to buy a house just about a year ago Mm -hmm. with my dog. I say I buy the house for the dog. She just lets me live there. Yeah. Um, I,
0: I remember that. I remember that Yeah, you were, you were
1: living the van life before that. So yeah, for two years. Yeah. And right now you find me in the thick of the at 50k production. So we're just about a month out from race day. So it's, it's full on at this point. Busy stuff. Busy, busy, busy. Um, And you,
0: you, I know you wrote a book as well on ultra running or doing your first ultra, which is actually, I have it. I love it. It's a great book. And so those listening in will definitely have some resources for you to go find that. But um, I did want to talk about this concept of like nutrition and women and being able to like fuel ourselves in this sport. Mm. What, What advice would you give? What thoughts do you have on that?
1: Oh, man. So many and so many have evolved over the years, right? Like, um, learning different things along the way. My perspective now as a 45 year old that's been running for two, I'm into my third decade now. Mm -hmm. um, I was definitely very early on influenced by the lightest fast and, you know, trying to be as light as possible, uh, weight, uh, weight management type thing. And, I, if I could go back and tell that um, college athlete something, it would be fuel as much as you can, like enjoy, like fueling your body to enable it to do even more of what it's capable of. Like if you're taking calories away from it or not giving it the calories it needs, it's actually limiting what you're able to do for performance and that those, those light bouts, those times when you do get really light, they're short lived and then it's usually followed by injury. So mm. that's like oh, in hindsight now, but also like, um, I think there's a, like opportunity for people to hear from somebody that's been through it and then, and, and not take themselves down that track if they can and kind of cancel out that, I hate the word cancel <laughs> in that sense, yeah. but like get rid of that language around, um, how diet and athleticism like I just don't feel like those two words should even go together like Mm. if you move your body and you fuel your body it will be the shape it needs to be to do the things you want it to do and Mm -hmm. just kind of keep it at that and any kind of restriction on on what you put in your body as I mean as long as it works right like I'm not talking about people that have um maybe some intolerances or or you know um Bowel disease or something that disables that ability to eat whatever you want, whenever you want, kind of mentality. I'm just mm-hmm. um, putting restrictions for the sake of trying to count calories or something like that. That doesn't do uh, match with somebody that's moving their body as far as that's kind of yeah. I guess the way I try and look at it.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes we have a hard time just embracing who we are, different sizes, and mm-hmm. just how we are, just the way we are, and mm-hmm. we do think that. I think that's just really rampant, this, this idea that like cutting calories and just being light and all that. Um, I remember reading something Ryan Hall put out and Mm. he says, even when, of course, right now he's a body, like he does bodybuilding. He's very thick compared to what he looked like when he was running marathons, but he was super thin and light. And he said his fastest times weren't when he was the lightest. It was when he was relatively strong for his size. So I know with my athletes, I try to make them durable. That's kind of how I like to. Mm -hmm. You need to eat. You need to be strong, but cutting calories to the point where you just, you do end up injured. I've had, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think eating disorders can be a real struggle for people. I've had friends with this, that it leads to injury because they're just not getting enough calories, even though they're burning thousands of calories, you know, even in a day with all the running they do, they just struggle. I think they're so afraid of gaining weight. And I think it's much more prominent with women too. Um,
1: mm-hmm. And, you know, how
0: can we get them to embrace their body? How,
1: as is, right. Um, mm-hmm. That's, it's definitely a trick. So the, the mental shift I had to make, cause I used to have Um people make fun of the size of my quads. And I am a long, lean, limmy person, like just build by nature. Mm -hmm. But the my the size of my legs relative to the rest of my body is someone might say disproportionate. And it took me, I mean, I tried to fit into skinny jeans and the whole thing. And it just it it was kind of like a whatever, call it an ego hit, or it just kind of made me feel uncomfortable in my own body Mm -hmm. until I was able to say these are the things that allow me to power myself up hills. Mm-hmm. Like if that's, if this is the shape my body needs to be to have those awesome runs in the mountains, mm-hmm. so be it Like mm-hmm. forget skinny jeans. Like I want to be able to run up mountains, but it's, it's a huge mental shift, especially when there is those, like even if they're just like jokey or silly, it's you, like a lot. Of, um, we take it personally a lot of times, unfortunately.
0: And it's probably depends on what we think of ourselves. And, So, like, how Mm. do you create a mindset that embraces us the way we are? Um, I know for me, I'm a little bit older than you, and I have went through menopause. And so, like, my body fat composition has changed, whether I like it or not. Mm -hmm. I'm still able to fuel up mountains and do the things I do but it just leads you to question, like, how can I change things? And I've discovered that I just have to embrace that my body will change as I age. And and any woman mm-hmm. like it or not, your body will change as you age, but I'm still very healthy. I still, you know, but I'm, I'm carrying more fat on my body than I'm used to. And so, but if I, if it's kind of like the skinny gene concept, right. If I just keep trying to, Make my body a certain way. I mean, it's not probably going to happen. And if I, the sooner I just embrace what I am now, the happier I'll probably be because I can still get myself up the mountains. And and I hear your pain because I do triathlon too. You know, so cycling. When I started cycling in my quads group, you can't fit Mm -hmm. into jeans. Like your quad's big, but then your waist is really small. And yeah, you feel like odd. You can't. It's but I, but like you said, I think our shift, our mindset is, yeah, but I, what it, look what my body allows me to do. I just love, mm-hmm. I love it. And then how can we get our younger version self? Like it took us like how many years to learn that, right? How can we, you know, maybe if you hear it listening in and you're young and you're thinking, yeah, yeah. But then like, how do we get people to make that? that shift in their mind and like really mm-hmm.
1: the industry how, how do you think oh it's a good one right I, I think there is more openness to it the the messaging is out there there's like even just talking about like and there's the, I, I hear all these things about people making fun of but I, I uh, what am I trying to say like I've heard a lot of jokes about like body positivity and I'm like that's so unfortunate like why would we even make a joke about that but like, it's just like we put language on things and then somebody has to go and turn turn on it or turn it on its head. So I try not to get too caught up in, uh, I guess, trends, if you will. But it's, it really comes back just to the individual. Um, I feel like everybody's going to get a message in a different way. Like I feel when I was in college and just out of when I was really early in my ultra running career, I had the amazing opportunity to work with uh, Dr. Emily Cooper of Seattle sports medicine. And she put me on a treadmill and tested my VO 2 max and just looked at me and said, you know what, the more you eat, the more you can run. And those were the words I needed to hear then. And then to deal with the body image stuff, it was this other message of, but these are the, like, whatever this looks like is what gets me to do these amazing things that bring me so much joy. Mm-hmm. But it, like, those, that's what worked for me. But everybody's going to come at it and from different stories, from different backgrounds, what's influencing that. And I guess my hope is, is what's influencing that is what people are seeing now is very different than what we grew up with. Mm-hmm. In terms of like all body sizes, like in marketing, like people, like, and even know I work with Patagonia and our website has taken a huge shift in terms of representing the clothing on all different body types. I love clicking through our website now and seeing things that don't look like me and that it like because my body type was like, it was easy for me to shop on that website. Mm -hmm. And now it's easy for like a lot of people to shop on that website because you can visualize yourself in the clothing. I think those kind of moves are are really important. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And it is so interesting, the whole body shaming thing. And then, you know, there's, I think with the mindset, just like with my life coaching and stuff, I found that, like you said, everybody's going to come at it at a different angle, but it's interesting. What we hear isn't always what we believe but what makes us believe what someone is saying accurate or inaccurately? And I think that's where like your uh, mindset changed. Maybe it was who said something to you. You obviously had a lot of value in what she said and that allowed you to believe it. Um, But, you know, how can we come to that understanding? And I think some of it is like experience, like as you You know, when I when I heard Ryan say that, I was like, "Good," because my body isn't the sizing it was, or not that I'm a lot bigger, Mm -hmm. but you just have to realize that you can still do well even when things change, or when, and maybe even better, like you said, like more I eat, the more I get to do what I want, and then of course eating healthy. I mean, there's certainly that balance between getting the right calories, but not being you know, not being, I did a lecture recently and I shared with them, you know, I like pizza and all that stuff. And I think they were surprised because, you know, you're having some coach telling you, you can, you can have pizza and I'm just being real because I really do. And it's not bad. It's not full. It's just balance. It's, it's not every meal, you know, um, and I would guess that maybe you, I would hope that made me feel better too, is if you have some of those, you know, maybe foods that we deem as not healthy sometimes.
1: Oh, well, that was something I had to, uh, another, I guess, way I put wording around it was especially traveling as much as I did. Like if I had limitations on what I could eat, like I had to prioritize quantity over say quality or just, but not put. Restrictions on if I needed to eat out of a gas station vending machine, like I needed to eat, and like if I had any rules about, well, that Snickers bar is bad for me, but if that's the only calories I can get, like I need to eat those calories. Is is how I shifted my mental approach to fueling, and I will try mm-hmm. my view is quality, which to me is whole foods. That I'm sure I'm, that's that's the stuff I want to eat and fuel my body with. So I um. Yeah, I guess with all these messages we tell for yourself. And the one thing I was thinking when you were talking about how do you believe it is what I try and really like hone in on for myself and then also help clients figure out is how to figure out when something resonates. And for me, I feel it behind my sternum. So Mm. in that case, when someone says, like, Chrissy, the more you eat, the more you can run. And I just it just kind of clocks me right in the chest. Like, Mm. oh, that feels Right. That's when I know the the messaging. So maybe it's the person, but maybe like it, hopefully more. So it's like something that's coming internally. She, she touched on something you want to
0: do. You, mm-hmm. you know, discover what, you know, you knew what you wanted. I think so many times people don't really know what they want, but if you know mm-hmm. what you want and then you, you're told how that can happen. I think that mm-hmm. probably
1: hits you behind the sternum, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully ho- that can happen in a way that you can trust that's sustainable for you. Right. Like mm. somebody might've told me, yeah, you can run, or you can run, or maybe that's the difference. You can run those distances really fast if you're 10 pounds lighter. Mm. I want to believe that wouldn't have resonated for me. Like that would have been like, Oh, I'm doing what they told me to do versus you like fueling yourself that and running long miles. Like that all goes together. That, makes more sense in my mind does that th- th- the difference make sense what I'm trying to explain I think so because I I like to define
0: it with my athletes is there's like a sweet spot and I think that comes with running, and I think that comes with like cycling. Like you can get in too hard of a gear where you're pushing too much, many watts, and it's not good. But if you get in a little lighter gear, you're pushing more watts, and it feels like you're moving your legs faster, and you are. But you find a there's a sweet spot, just like running, just like mm-hmm. and I think for for eating and balancing your exercise because some people restrict so many calories they don't feel good, you know they don't. And I mm-hmm. think timing. Mean, I think that this is what often you can't, that takes a little more expertise to figure out is when should you eat what, you know, uh, I, I think you probably realize that like with ultra running there, there are certain foods that maybe work well for you and other foods that don't, but like you have to know when to fuel
1: yourself in a race. Mm-hmm.
0: Not what. Mm-hmm. But when. Oh,
1: and yeah. But also knowing that those are going to change as you I've noticed as I've aged, like the things that I fueled with in my twenties sh- shifted in my 30s and are changing. Well, my mileage is changing in my 40s. But yeah, all like just not saying that this is the the one cure, all be all whatever, even just for yourself. Like you might see that it works for someone else. It might work for you for a little while, but then it might have to change again. Mm-hmm. I think you I think a good athlete is
0: flexible. I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. only like, n- not only in a race atmosphere, but like, throughout life, like, like you're saying, I like that you're saying this, because I think people listening in, if they're maybe in their 20s, they need to realize that you might need to embrace changes in how you do things over time to still you still can perform well, you just your body does change. And you you, you do things differently. And you learn from the things you did before. But, mm-hmm. you know, nutrition I think is so individual anyway uh, and then if it you, really have, is. you have diet issues that cause things that change your gut doesn't handle certain things then and, and, and I even find that in a race some races I don't stomach as much and so I have to just kind of change as I go I have an idea mm-hmm. I things, but I have to be flexible so definitely right yeah absolutely no I'm so glad we're talking about this because I think it's it's something that's a real problem still. And I, and I honestly think 20 years from now, it'll still be a problem. This, this thought of our body and like accepting our body. And, you know, I think there's a, there are eating disorders in in running and pretty much a lot of the sports and um, learning how to kind of embrace what we are. It just, I think it takes some more talking. I think we should talk about these things. I think it's good.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love, love, loved what you said. And so I'm I'm grateful you talked about this more because I just think it's so important to hear because so many people just don't do enough. They don't eat enough when they're, they run miles and miles and miles and they're just eating like a bird and it's just not. And then they just keep getting hurt and injuries are really a hard thing. And I know Mm -hmm. you talked about your injuries and it sounds like you've really done well now. You've, you know, what have you learned in retrospect? And maybe you can just tell everybody, a little bit about what you went through recently and then like how, how you've come out.
1: Oh, with my back last year. Yeah. You're uh, back. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a, like, I guess that, that's one thing I would offer is like, yes, you can go through and learn these lessons and then still have to learn them again. Like, like I am human or we all are. And uh, man, I, there was a couple times where I was like, dang it. Did I learn this already? And we can mm-hmm. still mess up. It's part of the deal. Um, yeah. March, This time last year, in the same kind of busy phase of putting on the check-in at 50K, I also bought a house, moved out of my van, released the second edition of my book. And that all happened within, I think it was like Mm -hmm. a three-week period, all told. And then I got the house, like the house was still in card, like everything from the mover, mover showed up right before the race. So I got unpacked had everything out of cardboard the day before I flew to Arizona, I guess that was April 5th, Uh to hike 200 miles of the Arizona Trail with two dear girlfriends. And it was in my mind, I was like, oh, just once I get to the trail, everything, you know, life will chill out. Well, hiking 20 to 25 miles a day (laughs) and flying there to do it after the month that I'd had leading up to was still another toll, maybe not as like much mentally, because all we had to do was eat, sleep, and walk. Yeah. But the physical toll on top of what I'd um, gone through up to that point, and then the straw that literally broke my back was that the house got broken into while I was away. Mm. And so coming home to that stressful situation, um, I found myself not long, it was like a week after I got back, um, I couldn't, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And I've I've never said those words. Like I'm sure I've said, Oh, I'm so sore from running a race or whatever. But for an unknown reason, my body couldn't lever up. And I I have not known pain like that, Mm -hmm. honestly, ever. And you and I did some um, chats during that, I remember. And I was also on ginger runner live choking back tears of like, this is scary, like to be in it and not know the way through. Mm -hmm. And when you're like fully right in the moment and trying to talk to people about it, it was a real, that was like really learning moments for me because I think that shows like the real story, because Mm -hmm. if you're like just waiting to tell it in the aftermath, then like, yeah, then you, you've got all the hindsight with you, but to share that truly scary moment of here's how I got here and I don't know where it's going. Man, that's not life, like the reality of injury or changing jobs or moving cities or anything. Yeah, it was a
0: lot at once. And it was a very real time when we talked about that, because it was obviously really a struggle. And I think that there are so many people that are in that moment of they don't know they don't, you know, injuries and injuries happen even you know, you try to do everything right and things do happen. And, um, I think that did show your true character though, trying to get through it and then figuring out a way and, and it, and it is hindsight is 2020. You can look back and go look at all these learning lessons, but it, it was, I think important. I know it was probably very hard to share that during, but for, those that are watching and seeing because like to everyone you were pretty incredible and you do all these amazing things but to see your vulnerability and to see that you know we all have those things that I think is really empowering others to think that they could get through something hard too so I really mm-hmm. appreciate it that was, that was touching that was I know hard but well so what do you feel like your biggest lessons have been from that?
1: I was just reflecting on this last night with a friend that is going through some rough health stuff right now. And she's like, How did you get through it? And there was a couple back and forth in our conversation. And I remember one point something she said last night triggered her memory for me. I remember being in the garage trying to have manual doors, trying to lift up the door. And my back was ju- just letting me know, like talking and screaming in all directions. And instead of what I would have thought my normal reaction would have been like cursing or dropping the door or something, just the mm. reaction to the pain, I was like using other parts of my body and figuring out how to get the door open. And my I said out loud, what do I have to learn here? And it was this like, it was like somebody else was like, speaking mm. through me. Like there's there's something to learn through this pain, like whether it's, uh, you know, taking a pause, n- not stacking your schedule so much, uh, asking for help. Like, what are all the things that I am having having to learn as I go through this? And, um, yeah, so talking to her last night brought up some of those memories. So that's interesting that you bring that up now. Mm-hmm. So that would probably be the big one. What do I have to learn here? And yeah. to have that presence of mind to say that. And not, I, I mean, I was mad at the situation, don't get me wrong. But like just looking for what there was to learn like that was what got me through it, i think is is learning learning along the way mm-hmm.
0: do you think it's
1: changed how you do things mm i'd like to think so as as i'm like pretty frantic right now <laughs> <laughs> Get ready. Ready. <laughs> but um like You're not going point- at the bigger picture of the calendar.
0: <laughs> You're not going to go on a trip to
1: hike 200 miles or
0: hopefully have your house broken into. Like you did have a lot
1: happening. <laughs> like- yeah. And, and some of those circumstances come up with us. And it's just how do we tend to to move through them? And I, I feel like I had myself pretty well handled. Mm-hmm. But then the, the one that's out of control, the house being broken into, was what kind of did me in Mm -hmm. and you know who knows had that not happened would I have sailed through but I think there was something to learn there and if I I guess were to point it out it's like it's my job to keep myself grounded and not running the red line and I, I guess I'm really good at running right up against the red line and seeming like I can hold it all together but then that one little thing happens or big thing but and I can't I don't have any more bandwidth or resiliency in that moment because of how I've pushed myself up to it. So I'd like to think that I'm finding ways to keep all this stuff going, but then having my own pullbacks so that I don't break at one point, whether it's physically or emotionally. Um, I want to be in control of that reaction, not um, be so close to the edge. So maybe not riding
0: that red line quite as closely as, as, well, and that was probably a different circumstance and absolutely something out of your control had happened, which does happen right Um, in our lives. So whether we like it or not, we can't control everything, but we can control how we respond. And I like that you were looking for something to learn because instead of just getting angry and you were angry and you had moments, it's all a grieving process, but you weren't like that wasn't your main thing. You were you were looking for something to learn. Um so do you feel like you're like emotionally
1: stronger because of it? Mm. Sometimes I think what it's related to. There's other there's other pieces of life that are still challenging for sure. I guess that's something that I um I would I would like to have learned better along the way. Like I hear a lot of runners say like what they learn on the trail translates to life. I was there. Not good at that <laughs> like, mm. I was really resilient and patient and um like a smart racer and that and then I could see where those things could have helped in life along especially the patience one mm. and those didn't always translate over to oh, life no. for me so I'm I think I'm still trying to like have those lessons go back and forth like what I learned in life apply to running and what I've learned in running apply to life and not be so I'm such a literal brain that's Mm -hmm. probably one of my um strengths and weak points something to work on for sure but Mm -hmm. so do
0: you have any like um like I know when people experience trauma do you feel like that was like a traumatic experience in the sense um having somebody break into your home that was just new Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. How, you know, that's a traumatic experience. So, like, do you feel like sometimes you kind of go back in that space? Like, I know sometimes trauma, you have a, you know, post
1: traumatic stress.
0: Kind mm-hmm. Of- mm-hmm.
1: I'm very fortunate that I um, surround myself with a lot of healers and I threw everything at that back from chiropractic to PT to massage. Uh, I work with a clairvoyant massage from time, massage therapist from time to time. And so through all of these things, all the facilities and resources I have here are Prime, I, I really threw a lot at it. Um, and actually relating back to our initial topic of nutrition and fueling our bodies, I have a great sports dietitian um, colleague that I reach out to a lot. And he and I talked through and the reality of how much I consumed while hiking on the trail. And this is going back to, I know how to do this. I know better, but I didn't mm-hmm. in that moment was he's like, you did not eat enough on that trail. And then you finished the same day. We finished, we hopped on a flight like four hours later. So sitting on a plane, dehydrated, underfueled, like that position of sitting on a plane bad for your back, then driving another two or three hours to get back to Bellingham Like I kind of really compromised my back in that and then to come home to the stress of my back. So that ties back to the nutrition piece. But in terms of the traumatic piece, I was doing like pretty well physically. I could just tell that I didn't want to mess it up again. And I was about at the six to eight week mark where I feel like, you know, I'm I'm functional again, but one wrong move. I'm going to mess this up. And I happened to have a massage appointment with the clairvoyant massage therapist, and when she had me on the table, we were talking through my process, and she said, "You know, when you are talking about this, when you came home and were dealing with the house, you went into this superhero mode." And I did. I came home and I was like, mm-hmm. "You know, with probably some not choice words about how no one's gonna f with my house and mm-hmm. you know break into my. I'm going to totally protect this place." Uh. And rather than feeling that victim mode and the vulnerability of having my space like that I'd I'd had less than I'd barely been in it. And somebody else had decided to break through the back door and invade my space and privacy and items and take things. And
0: Mm.
1: when she said that, I broke down into tears on the table and just she's like yeah girl you need to feel that victim mode like that is mm-hmm. that is what probably what i was holding on to and i kid you not laura like within a week i was fully functional like my my back was strong again and so i just wonder i i truly believe we do trap things in our bodies mm-hmm. and i wonder if by not acknowledging that victim mode and trying to st- i would guessing like stuff it down so that i could take care of my house and you know super, I have this like stance, like hands on hips, like super powerful. Like, no, you actually have to feel all the feels. And I, by thankfully going through that with her, um, that's what allowed my back to fully heal. And I would say, um, within, yeah, I, I've been fully functional since, like, I have not had any setbacks. I've um, definitely tested it in terms of like getting back to full weightlifting and um, training and all of that, and hadn't not had any problem moving, you know, moving stuff around the house, doing yard work, like all the things Mm -hmm. that you have to be careful with your back. I do feel fully functional.
0: Wow. I think you're right. I think we hold on to, we physically hold on to emotional things. And if you Mm -hmm. allow yourself to, you know, there's an amount of like, not necessarily even the victim mode, but there's an amount of vulnerability that we have, that we have to accept to allow others, mm-hmm. to, like be. it, it allows us, I just did a podcast on like friendship. And that's part of what friendship, is a deeper, like those vulnerabilities and risk, but it's also shows an element of trust. And I think, I think that happens within our, you know, saying, we are afraid sometimes to feel an uncomfortable feeling because it's, it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. to feel like a victim. Right. And.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: Just cry it out and just feel that allow yourself to feel all the feels, all the emotions. And then it does let you move on. Like I'm so glad we talked about this because it's, you know, we're so physical and tactile as runners um, and athletes but there's so much that goes into it emotionally as well. And, and it's okay to be vulnerable and yeah, we want Mm -hmm. to put it in every element, you know, we are superheroes in a lot of ways we can be, but there's kind of a yin yang to life. Like there's a balance of, of being vulnerable, being fearful, but, but not letting fear stop us, but recognizing that that's there, but still, you know, doing it anyway, even though it's hard, but sometimes if we're holding on to some of those, you know, resentment or pain or those things that can prevent us from from doing the things that we need to, which physically heals us, if that makes sense, like you were talking about. This is such a good illustration, I think. Mm -hmm. I agree. I liked what you said, too, because you talked about, like, I guess what, hit me in my mind was what I teach my, my clients, this is to create an environment for success. And you immediately did that. You said, okay, I'm going to talk to my dietitian friend about this. I'm going to have my clairvoyant massage therapist. I'm talking to physical therapists. I'm going to different doctors. You like, didn't put all your eggs in one basket. You diversified and you, you created this environment around you that allowed you to figure things out you know, just kind of wait for there's so many times people just listen to one voice uh, of what's going on with them instead of really like figuring it out with lots of different, I don't know modalities, you know what I mean? They limit mm-hmm. them, and I think that's really smart and that you can set out to do that for yourself. so you know people listening in that you know it, it's smart to have. Like, I know the athletes I work with, if they have eating disorders, I highly encourage them to work with the dietitian. If they've had injury, mm-hmm. I want them to do what their physical therapist said. If they're, if they're experiencing other pains and things, I want them to go to the doctor. Like, we'll all work together to help them achieve their success that they want, you know?
1: I think it's important to listen to a lot of ideas um, on mm-hmm. that. And go back to that, like, what resonates with you and works for you? like pull information uh, from people and then see how it plays in works for you.
0: Yeah. Everybody's different. And I like that. I just, mm-hmm. it opens people's ideas, you know, the idea that no, you don't have to just be limited to what one person says or, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and, and don't be afraid to ask. I know people that I work with and you're, you being a coach as well, I'm sure you encourage your athletes, like ask me why I'm having you do that workout. Cause I'm happy to explain it. You know, I want, mm-hmm. them to, I want them to, you know, learn and ask. And so I can explain it. And I know where they're at with their understanding. And then sometimes I mean, I don't know, I'm sure I would expect that you've learned over the years, all that you've done. Mm-hmm. I learn a lot from my athletes. Oh,
1: 100%. I love those relationships for that, both in life and as it relates to running.
0: Yeah, I think you never, even if you're, I mean, I would consider you an expert in this field. You've written a book and you've obviously had a lot of experience, but I think it's so valuable to still continue like learning. I know. And that's Mm -hmm. what I like about you is that you're not like, oh, I'm all knowing and, you know, you're very... Mm -hmm much a student of this and ultra running I mean would you say what are the changes that you've seen in ultra running
1: since you started as to now sorry what the question is what would I what have I seen what has
0: changed like not only in you but like I know for me in running like when I started running like in high school and then through college and then now there's a lot of differences of what they do now mm. distance running and, and road running and triathlon versus like what it, what it like the ultra.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, like, well, oh, I guess there's a lot of differences just in how the sport of ultra running is like seen in the world. It was this weird, like, small collection of people, and now it's you know. They're figuring out ways to broadcast it and do live streaming. Like, we talk about a change in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, sponsorships were footwear and a jersey. And now there's salaries that people can live off involved. And there's been some amazing uh, transitions there. And I think the messaging around all of it, who can do it? Um, seeing just the shift from a most, like when I got into the sport, I said I ran with the guys, there was very few women. And now those. Numbers are slowly, but they're changing. And the, the people that are coming to the sport representation on lots of fronts, like opening doors that way, I, I think it's beautiful. I, I really hope we see more of that. Mm-hmm. I think it will continue to grow. I've seen a lot of that as
0: well. And I think that's great. I think, um, well, I don't know about you, but I know for me running and like the physical exertion is very emotionally healthy for me it's it's therapy for me really um I know a lot I agree, yeah. of, a lot of my trail runner friends they we talk about that I run with a lot of lady friends and they often we talk about how it just makes us feel so much better just handling a life and getting out in nature and the you know just oh it's just so nice
1: to get on the trails mm-hmm. breathe hard sweat it out Process mentally. Yep. I, I'm with you, ladies. I'm with you.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> seem yeah. to think clearer, like when I'm done with a run, like I am much more productive with what I do. Um, a lot of people I work with are beginners. And so um, just teaching them that how, you know, when they start doing it, they start realizing, wow, how could I have lived without this for so many years? But um, mm-hmm. I did want to talk about your book because I'm a huge fan. fan. I think. Um, I mean, really, if I wrote a book on ultra running, it would be very similar to your book, because I just like mm. like your approaches. And, and we both agree that like, everybody is a little bit different. But I like how you structure it as very, it's super easy to follow. It's really so tell me more about, I know that this is your second edition, I don't know what changes book. Mm-hmm. Just let's talk about it a little more. So people listening in if they want, it's a great resource. I, I'm a big believer in following a plan or having a coach.
1: Um, tell us about it. Um, the getting to write the first one was such a gift. I came to coaching with some with a athlete that reached out to me actually and said, Hey, I think you should coach me. I'm new at this and I want to learn from you. And mm-hmm. that continues to be the personality type I'm drawn to in terms of it's gonna help your people have you, or work with you to have a system to running how more how over the years I've become more like in line with the messaging. You know, I, I felt it, but now it's like it's like the the strong line through um I would say through all the that I get to work with and I, I really love that. And the book reflects really f- and I and uh, what was really cool the second edition was getting to update like just the way we think about the sport change in the like from writing to writing it was about five years and like I just remember like a simple one in terms of talking about how you might want to take a phone a camera a gps device like all these things (laughs) maps and now you can just take one item that covers all of those things like um And then the language about, I had a chapter in there that was specifically for women. And it's like, we're trail runners, period. We can all read about uh, relative energy deficiency. We can all read about periods. We can all read about sports bras. Like we don't need a special chapter just to call out for women. And I mean, really from five, in five years of writing that that was like things like that became significant enough to change. I thought was pretty cool. Yeah
0: it's changed in the technology i know uh technology in training itself like heart rate monitor and do you do any of that kind of training uh
1: yourself the heart heart rate kind of stuff you know i did um and i feel like what i did with that was to learn how the numbers associated to um like relative energy like how i felt uh perceived exertion i guess is the word i was looking for there Mm-hmm. And, um, it, I actually just got to do some muscle testing with a, a physical therapist here at prime sports Institute, Sean Fife. And it was really cool to see how the numbers have shifted a little, just a little in 20 years. Cause I did that in my mid twenties and now I'm in my mid forties, but how the pacing is similar and what I um, am able to maintain 20 years later. So having that like um, perceived energy exertion kind of numbers marked, but I don't depend on a watch or device to tell me that I, I want to know that internally. So having it kind of as a checkpoint or a touch point seems to work really well for me. And mm-hmm. then, um, kind of com- maybe coming back to it every once in a while. maybe a little more frequently than 20 years, but that's, I guess I got really honed in on how I like to t- t- train.
0: <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting because a lot of pros, like in the try try world, they go through, uh, by RPE too. And I think part of it is they know how their body feels. And I know like a lot of my beginners, they have no concept of what it feels like to run hard or slow, you know, mm. I mean, generally, but that's why, you know, I give them those ranges or I do some RPE as well, but, um, many of them I've had to run with to show them what hundred percent looks like. <laughs> and then mm. they're like,
1: Oh mm-hmm. my gosh,
0: have more gears i had no idea because for some reason there's a fear they're going to die or something and it's like no Mm -hmm. no no, fine and then when someone's confident you know running with them and building their confidence i think it helps but i think for learning it can be very beneficial but it's interesting as you learn your body i also race by rpe i do a little bit with watts on my bike but Mm -hmm. it's interesting as you develop You know, that ability to listen to your own body, how you can go by feel, you know, you know, well, this is a pace I can't sustain or I need to back off or I need to speed up, you know, innately from your experience. And so I just think that's interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, is it like 100% bomb proof? No, I mean, I'm sure there's, like, lots of people could see cracks in that ability. Do I push too hard sometimes? Do I not run hard enough sometimes? Like, all Mm -hmm. those pieces. But I think, like, when we look at training as a whole and not just the individual days and we can keep that bigger picture in mind, I think that's where we're, like, really have the opportunity, like, that winning mode where um, we give ourselves grace on a day where we have to miss or mm. an extra rest day if we push too hard and knowing that in the big picture that's all gonna even out and work out i think that's what i like
0: most about your because because that's the same philosophy i have for coaching is like well it happens you know and mm-hmm. so we we flex flexible and we move things around and we get our most important workouts in but it doesn't mean it has to happen exactly the same for everyone you know we can all be training for the same race but we do it differently and mm-hmm. that like, that's okay. And I love that you said, you know, give yourself grace. Cause I, I don't know about you, but it seems like there's a lot of type a personalities in this sport <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and they have a hard time. I have a lot of, even this morning when I were running, um, it's so funny. Cause they're like, Oh, there's just a little bit more to get to my, you know, whatever round mileage instead of they can't like stop at 0. 0.92 or it has to be all the way to a full mile. And, um, it's just over the years, I haven't been as anal about that as I used to be, but it's funny cause it's just like a type A personality. We have a hard mm-hmm. time like letting go. It has to happen a certain way. And I think that flexibility we learn in time and, and really, I think it, it boils down to consistency to be a good runner, you know, getting mm-hmm. it in consistently, consistently, but I so, so, so appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and any last, uh, words of advice for people listening in that want to get into this ultra world. And, um, I know they have a lot to learn and there is a lot to learn, but just some
1: tips. Mm. I guess the first one I always go to is make sure you're enjoying it. Cause there are like anything in life there, there are hard, hard bits of it that, um, necessarily you have to push through, but just understand that's part of the process. So like checking in on the the why, I think finding your why, why you want to get into it, and the time commitment. and mm-hmm. um, another piece I would share is like communication with the people around you of what this commitment means to you, the time it might take on certain weeks, how they can best support you. Um, I think I got into it and just kind of did it and surrounded myself with the people that got it. And I know, now know later in life like living in different realms and seeing that that's, it doesn't always just work out that way to be surrounded by like-mindedness around it there was a great article i thought in the trail magazine uh online site yesterday about uh relative to love related to valentine's day and it was about partners that are people that are partnered with non-runners so runners that are partnered with non-runners and the vice the- that the non-runner of the partnership gave, I just thought that's such great awareness of like how those that those relationships play out when there's somebody so driven by by something that takes so much time, whether it's running or or likewise. But in this article, it was related to running, so I obviously uh, related to it. I thought that was a good like reminder of the communication necessary for the people that are close to you.
0: Yeah, because they may not, you know. And I I found I've had people in my life that aren't runners and they don't understand it and they probably I could explain it till I'm blue in the face they're not gonna understand it mm-hmm. but but yeah I mean these are things that are important to me but they're also important to me and so you do have to make the time for those relationships as well so that's a good thing to yeah open communication good tip
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah anything else you would share
1: um I would just cue us up for another potential Um, podcast that I would love to talk to you about if uh, I don't have my own podcast we could do on your channel is about going through perimenopause as an athlete I would love to tap into the what your experience was what resources you used I'm I'm in the thick of it and I would love to uh, open that conversation up
0: okay I definitely okay yes we will (laughs) Because I, I, it is, it is, you know, embracing those changes that happen to our body. And it's nice to, like, talk to people that have been through it or obviously oh. I've been through it. And there are things I might have done a little bit better, uh, I think, knowing in retrospect. And I think it is hard to find information for just dealing with it anyway. But dealing with it as an athlete and as an athlete that wants to perform and now as an athlete that would like to continue to perform well is mm. a- so I don't want to say, okay, I, you know, I'm old now. I'm, I don't want to just do good for my age. Still, I want to do well as an athlete period. So, you know, it is a process, but I would love to talk about that. I think that would be good. So we'll have to schedule that out. Um, and yeah, I would love to talk to you again. I have really enjoyed it. We've done many interviews now, but mm, I love it. There's always more topics, <laughs> Yeah, always more topics. And there's so much to cover and hopefully people are learning. And as we get questions too, we can certainly cover those as well. But again, love talking to you. Always love talking awesome. to you. Thanks,
1: Laura. Yeah, quite likewise. Yep. I'll jump on these anytime.
0: Yes. Awesome. Thanks. Well, have a great
1: day. <laughs> Thank you. You, you too. Uh-huh.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Healthy Living Podcast. Be sure and check the show notes for resources or links that we mentioned in the show. You can also find them on my website at blonderunner.com, B-L-O-N-D-E-R-U-N-N-E-R.com. You can also find me on Instagram at theblonderunner, with an E, and Coach Laura Erickson, and that's L-O-R-A. Before you forget, I hope that you will um, follow this podcast and like it so you don't miss an episode. Also, it really helps if you leave a review so other people can find it um, and share it with your friends. Until next time, live well.